mobile phones, laptops, tablets, and everything in between. This is Sean and Sean, and you're listening to the Silicon Theory Podcast. Good evening, everybody. It's uh, Wednesday, May 18th, and you're once again listening to the Silicon Theory Podcast. I am your host, Sean, and with me, as always, is Sean P. Say hey, Sean. Guys, what's going on? We're coming to you tonight to talk to you about something near and dear to our hearts, and that's uh, Google I.O. The first day of Google I.O. was today, and uh, the keynote address, which is pretty much the the highlight and the main stage, is uh, what we're going to be talking about today. And most of the main announcements, uh, some of our first impressions, and then we'll uh, we'll do a quick wrap of some of the highlights, some of the lowlights, and um, and where we think Google may be heading uh, in the next couple of days by expanding on some of these things. So uh, I haven't had a full opportunity to get uh, get reread on everything. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it over to Sean, and we're gonna go down as the keynote was announced. Uh, we'll go through the items, give you some thoughts and impressions, and uh, and we'll go from there. You ready, Sean? Let's do it. Let's do it. So, first on the agenda, they open the conference and they start with Google Assistant, which is basically, from what I can tell, a souped-up Google Now that responds to you in a more conversational tone, kind of like the uh, assistant in the movie Her, like a like a dumbed-down version, kind of. As I'm watching it, it's kind of an obvious transition to me from where we're at with Google Now. It's basically taking a lot of the functionality, it would appear, of what it does now but it's making the interaction more organic, if you will. It makes it feel like you're talking to a person instead of talking to the, the ghost in the Google machine. And it's it's a neat, neat feature. It seems like a real, it, it makes sense to me from a perspective of where you would go with Google now. And it, that's been a feature that has been expanding every generation and it makes sense that they would do that again. It looks really neat. It's using some machine learning Um, stuff to really give you better answers, to be able to look at an image and identify what's in the image and give you things that are related to that. So I think the example they gave was it was a picture of someone sending you a dog or something like that. And it would be able to pick up that it's a dog, be able to make a guess at what breed of dog it is or what the context of kind of the conversation is, and then give you topics that are related to that. So it's really neat. It's It's a neat thing. I don't I kind of look at it and go, it's a natural evolution of where we are, and yeah, I don't know, man. What do you think? And that was kind of uh, that was kind of my first thought. Um, actually, that was kind of my second thought. After reading a few of the recaps, my first thought was, "Oh my God, it's Skynet! Run, run for all you're worth." Why are you afraid of the machines, man? Um, because they embrace our new robot overlords. They're going to kill us in the future. It does seem like really the the next evolution of uh, Google search and. Uh, contextual awareness and, and AI are, are things I think that Google has been working towards uh, in a, a number of different forms. Um, uh, Project Tango is one of those things uh, for more contextual awareness for devices. But Google Assistant seems to be really a, um, an interesting step forward, um, unlike Google Now on Tap, which really seemed to me to be kind of a giant waste of time. Um, Google Now is was really a great revolution. Um, now on tap was kind of a, a niche piece of software that was interesting, but didn't seem to work that well and didn't really have any practical applications. And Google Assistant looks to be another one of these kind of next uh, step forward uh, products from Google. Uh, and I can see where its integration to things that we'll talk about a little bit later on, like Google Home, 
will be really, really interesting. Um, one of the examples that uh, I think it's Boy Genius Report used was um, conversational understanding, like saying something like, what time is the Yankee game tonight? And then the conversation moves on to who's the starting pitcher. And uh, Google Assistant has the ability to understand in conversational and natural language to give you um, give you responses that, that make sense, unlike... Uh, some of the searches that are, are hilariously bandied about the internet as memes now. So um, it does look pretty cool. Um, I can see it being um, a big player in Google's ecosystem going forward. And uh, yeah, really mostly just a, an evolutionary next step, a logical next step for, for Google as we move towards a, a hands-free and a, and a voice interactive environment. So I think you just keyed in on a huge point of what they're doing too, which is... Uh, Android obviously started out as a touch-based OS, and very much still is. I don't want to give the impression it's not, but a lot of the things that are rolling out that are Android-related now, Android Auto, Android Wear, they are interfaces that you can interact with via touch. But when you're driving, obviously, or if you have a smartwatch, the most obvious thing to do would be some kind of voice command, right? So to me, this is, again, a good step towards you have Android, this touch-based OS. Now they're rolling out all of these companion Android Auto, Android Wear things to it. And those make a lot more sense to me to be voice-based. And this is a good way to tie it all together when you're going from product to product. The phone can already understand the voice commands and whatnot. And so it, it makes a lot of sense to me to expand that and make it so that when you're using Android Wear or Android Auto and you're talking to it, it's a more organic experience and it's a smarter experience. So... It's, it's neat. It seems like a very natural evolution of Google now, and it's good to see them continue on down that line. And probably dovetail nicely into um, the next piece on their announcement, which is Google Home, which is really the way to bring that uh, Google Assistant into a more uh, robust use, which would be kind of the development of the, the smart home, right? So they've announced a couple of things in the last little bit, um, on hub being one of those things, but Google home being the next big thing. What, um, what struck you most about Google home, Sean? So first of all, good for Sundar for giving a shout out to the Amazon folks, because this really is their version of the echo. And it looks, my, my compatriot over here said very much earlier that it looks like a, what did you say it looked like, Sean? I believe I used the term Airwick home air freshener. And I'd be inclined to agree. It's not uh, an offensive looking device. It's small. You can kind of fit it in the palm of your hand, it looks like. And it's, there's nothing, whenever you're describing your product though and you're saying it's not offensive, that probably means it's not the most cutting edge design on planet Earth. <laughs> so I'll, I'll say that. But as far as functionality goes, it seems to take, a lot of what the Amazon Echo does, and then it expands it to the Google ecosystem, which for those of us that are using Android primarily, that would probably be reason enough to choose it over the Amazon Echo. Uh, some of the features that it has, some of the things are things that don't matter to me a whole lot. It has a speaker, which they claim is great. I'm always a little bit, I'm not sure I'd buy how great the speaker is, right? It's in this device, and I'm sure it'll be fine, and if you're just listening to music, it'll, it'll be good, but it's not gonna stand up to a standalone speaker system by any means. But some of the way that you interact with it is very clever when you can tell it, you know, pull up a YouTube video of whatever, X thing, and then you can tell it, play that on my Chromecast living room, and it pops it on your Chromecast. Stuff like that's really neat. I don't know if in practical application if I'd use that so much, but it's nice to have the ability. The way it ties into Nest products, you control your thermostat, you're able to control lights eventually and all of that. That's going to be really neat, but... 
Google hasn't leveraged the, the Nest buyout very well at all, in my opinion. So far, they have a repackaged drop cam and then an evolution of the Nest thermostat, like a third gen that was just kind of cosmetic and some other minor changes, and then the smoke detector. I wish they would go for that more. That, that's really where I see the Google Home. It's great to be able to do media and tell it, play this music and it'll play it. It's great to tell it, stream this media to my TV and have it be smart enough to do that. All that's very nice. But the home integration stuff, if they did it right, could really be cool. I know Samsung's been working on this a lot too with their home style stuff. But no one's really nailed it yet. And Google always kind of does this. They stick their toe in the water. They have some great ideas. Sometimes the things just feel like beta. Google Home in itself does not feel like beta, but it just feels like when you get it, the things that it can do initially are useful, the music, the streaming, all that stuff's great. Being able to ask a Google Now type questions and get updated on things, that's great. But for the future, it's really the smart home stuff that interests me a lot. And that's the part that I see, it's like way down the line, there's this promise that they're gonna do it. But if history is any kind of shows us anything with Google. I don't know if I trust them to really fully integrate this and get it working in any kind of timely manner. I have a feeling next year we'll be hearing a lot of the same stuff about, oh yeah, Google Home, this is gonna happen. But in the, the year from now until the next IO, I'm not sure we're gonna get a whole lot of actual movement and that's kind of the frustration with this for me. So might you say that Google potentially has a history of launching new products and then not necessarily taking them anywhere? Might I give the Nexus Q as submitted for your consideration? I mean, that sucker didn't even make it to get released all the way. That's how bad that thing was. They're giving them away to free to the few people that pre-ordered it. That's a bad situation, right? But yes, they have this amazing capability. They, have, they basically have your life. They're keeping tabs of everything they do. They know what you do. They have all these products that integrate, all this information. They make smart purchases. They bought YouTube for God's sake. And I thought Nest, when they bought it, I'm like, that's a perfect thing. That makes perfect sense to me. Nest makes beautiful products. Google's trying to get into the home. They're going to all integrate together. This is going to be great. But since that happened, they've done almost nothing with it, virtually nothing. And so it's always with things like this. It's like I look at it and go, yeah, I'd like to have that. I think someday it could be really great. But I'm not dying to have it because the initial things that it can do, I mean, I can talk to my phone now. It's always on. I can tell it to do things. Now, I can't tell it to stream media from my phone to my Chromecast living room. It's not quite that smart. But I can do a lot of the things that this thing can do without spending any money because I already have my phone. It could be really cool. I just wish Google had a better track record of developing these technologies and following through with some of the things they say they're going to do, because it would be really neat. And one of the other things that struck me about it in reading this on The Verge was Google's chosen to not open up a developer API for Assistant or the home device yet, which some of the, and I don't want to say fun, because that gives it really the wrong impression, and I'm sure there are some people who develop just for fun. Uh, I'm certainly not one of them. But when you get into a circumstance where you have open source and you can get other people involved, it does help your product evolve. And it does help it evolve at a much faster rate than it might on its own. Android itself is the perfect example of this. As open source software, when you release it into the wild, the developers get their hands on it. They tweak it, change it, make it do things that it never originally was intended to do. Google uses that as its own almost beta testing ground, and then they release new versions of Android that have some of those new features built in and baked in. Home could have been something like that, but for reasons that aren't exactly clear as of yet, 
Um, they've chosen not to, and I feel much the same way. It, it's not a beta product per se, but it is a product that still has a long way to go. Its future uses are certainly what's exciting about the product, not what it can do now. As far as the API goes, yes, this is a disadvantage because Amazon has opened up the Echo to an API. And so you have people developing on it. But this reminds me a little bit of what happened with the Chromecast. The Chromecast was released, I bought it day one. And really for the first three to six months before they opened up the API, it was a way for me to be able to stream YouTube videos onto my TV and very little else beyond that. As soon as they opened up the API, as you would imagine, you have all these immensely talented developers that immediately released apps to do all kinds of different things and it became infinitely more interesting as a product. Google has a good track record of opening things up. I have no doubt that Google Home will be the same. The only reason I can think that they wouldn't do that now is if maybe some of the stuff is just not quite there yet. It's not fully baked and they didn't want to release it. The future promise of what Google Home can do is cool. Just like the the, the, the Echo is a cool device too. It's just... I feel like the uh, Google Home, because Google's products are so ubiquitous, will probably be more useful long-term than the Amazon one because Amazon tends to, it's like with the Kindles or something, since they have their kind of, it's not a walled garden completely like it is with Apple, but much more so than Google, which leads me to believe that over time, Google Home will do more. So I'm interested in having one. I want to see what the pricing is. This is another thing that Google does that's kind of annoying, which is, hey, I'm going to give you this vague promise that this is going to be released later this year. Oh, and by the way, I'm not going to tell you how much it costs. If it comes in at like $99, that's probably about like max money, I think, for most people. Anything less than that's probably a bonus. But if it starts straying into the $149 territory, I just don't think it's going to be a super justifiable purchase for any meaningful amount of you know meaningful amount of customers well and especially with uh, a closed uh, API set where you're not exactly 100% sure what you're getting when you get into the product and you go great it doesn't necessarily do anything I can't already do with a little bit more effort on my own and I, I agree I think the value proposition is going to be very very important for Google to sell these things and I'm sure they would love to get them into tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of homes across the country because it does push their brand and push their product forward. Um, whether or not that will happen, uh, I guess Google will tell us when they decide to grace us with a launch date and a price at launch. Uh, one of the things that I was most excited about uh, in reading the keynote is Google launching finally um, a a messaging app that unifies their entire platform and brings all of their messaging. Oh wait, no, they didn't do that. They launched yet another standalone messaging app, which I will affectionately refer to as, in my terrible British accent, Allo, Google Allo. Tell me what I need to know about Google Allo, Sean. Your side does That's my in fact tell song. me everything I need to know. So, for God knows how long, since Android's inception virtually, Android people have been saying, hey, you know what would be great? Give us a competitor to iMessage. If there's one thing you should be copying Apple on, that's surely it, right? And every year, we get the hype train rolling, and you see a million editorials before Google I.O. saying, hey, you know what I want more than anything else? A unified messaging experience, and I want them to do it well, like Apple, and this is the year it's going to happen, and this year especially, people were excited, there's this new standard, Rich Communication Services, RCS, that's going to gradually replace SMS and MMS, and it has a host of advantages, the carriers seem to be kind of on board, so... 
this was gonna be the year. It was gonna happen. Everyone's like, yes. And then they announced this and I look at it and I just, I'm so confused. So first of all, the app in and of itself, I don't wanna go too negative here. The app in and of itself is inoffensive. It, it's a fine messaging app. It has some stuff that is kind of novel as far as the interface is concerned. Stretching text to make it look like you're yelling. Shrinking text to make it look like you're whispering. It has predictive text and some hooks into Google's other services that give it some advantages over other messaging services. It'll contextually learn how you text and make better predictions as a result of that. However, tonight I'm reading it doesn't support SMS or MMS, which effectively makes it dead on arrival as far as a messaging a messenger is concerned, a true unified messenger. Google is still going to support Hangouts and Android Messenger, which are already have a ton of overlap and redundancy, and neither one of them is really what you want from a unified messaging experience. In a vacuum, Allo's fine. It's a fine application. I'll probably give it a check just to see what it's like. It, it basically, it sounds like it's their version of WhatsApp, which is fine, but it's not what we want, and I don't understand why this is so hard for a company with virtually infinite resources. Apple's had a better platform with iMessage since the inception of the iPhone, almost. We're going back to 2007, right? Google still hasn't been able to make a cohesive messaging experience. Someone put together a list tonight. There's like eight apps that they've gone through. Google Plus Messenger, Hangouts, Android Messenger. The, the list goes on and on. I just don't know what they're doing, and I don't know how a bunch of very talented people can sit around and say, we're going to introduce this, and this is what people want or need. I don't get it. I want to hit my head against the table. Google gets a lot of beef for Android's supposed uh, fragmentation, and uh, I think that the different versions of Android that are on the tens of millions of Android devices all over the world is that that level of fragmentation is absolutely nothing compared to the level of fragmentation that Google self-inflicts upon themselves as well as all of us as consumers by releasing 763 messaging apps. Um, it might not be 763. That number may be greater for all I know. But what I do know is this. While Allo is uh, inclusive of a couple of really interesting features, the, the volume slider for, um, for context in terms of tone of voice in, in text messaging, um, and the ability to interact with bots, a wide range of bots, which apparently is all the rage these days. You're not anyone unless you have a bot. But I, I don't... I don't understand why this thing even exists. I, I, I just don't. Um, I, I really wanted to use Hangouts and love it. Um, and this was before I even knew such a thing as Messenger existed. And then it turns out that Messenger does exist. And I have to agree with you, Sean. I, I think that they all do uh, individual things well, but not a, no standalone app does any single thing well enough that makes me want to choose it. And certainly not one of them does a little bit of everything well enough that makes me want to choose it. And so, unfortunately, now I'm back to using none of Google's messaging apps. Um, Allo, to me, seems like... I don't even know what it seems like, honestly. I can't even come up with something to compare it to because I'm, I'm at a loss. I just don't understand. It's a, Again, it's a fine app. I guess it's their, it's their version of WhatsApp, I guess, is basically what it comes down to. But we don't need that incorporated into Hangouts. Do something. This is such a mess. 
we don't have any nearly enough listenership, so to speak, to have any kind of sponsors, but I'm just going to say I use Textra for SMS right now. And that developer, they're constantly getting meaningful updates and doing things. It's better than Messenger and it's better than Hangouts. This is no, that developer's doing a great job, but how can a company with infinite resources, virtually infinite resources, just be complete, is completely unable to make a product that even compares to that? Even if I couldn't use Textra, there's multiple third-party messaging apps I would use before I would use Android Messenger or Hangouts. Neither one, again, is offensive. I just, they don't do anything, and Apple's, or excuse me, Google's plan seems to be no plan. Every couple of years, they introduce some new Messenger or something, they completely avoids what everyone's really asking for, then support wanes, people stop using it, and then they try something new, and it's, it, this is just so simple. For the love of God, just copy iMessage. I, I don't, it's, it boggles my mind. This was the most frustrating part of the keynote. As I'm watching it happen, I'm like, when they first started talking about it, I'm like, oh, this is it. This is gonna be an RCS client, it's gonna do SMS. If you add that in with some of the stuff that they're doing, you know, emojis, better prediction, the being able to shout, so to speak, and whisper, it's like, that would be a really cool messaging app. Oh, by the way, it doesn't do SMS at all. And it's really unclear what it's for. And then again, like, it's not even available. How? Finish it if, and release it day of or do something. It's, ah. As I said, I, I am, I'm actually at a loss for words because it's so frustrating. This has just been a continual pain point. And for another year now, it's going to be a pain point. How? How is this still happening in 2016? The platform's so mature. This is a slam dunk. And they're not even close. They airballed. I, I think we are so spoiled by the fact that Google does many things very well that when they do fail as epically as they do with this Allo messaging app, it, it becomes something that is singular in the tech world's consciousness because it does seem like that if an independent developer such as the maker of Textra can put together something as polished and as relatively feature-rich and useful as Textra is, that one might think that one of the most profitable companies on the planet can do something similar. For the love of God, just buy Textra. Just do it. Buy him. Have him work for you. Integrate RCS into that. Call it a day. Like, just... That's that's me just having that's me throwing up. I can't even handle it. So let's move on, shall we, to the, the next app, which to me was more interesting and has some utility, which is Duo, and this is a multi-platform. It's on iOS and Android version of uh, FaceTime, if you will, from Apple. And there's Android apps that do this. Skype and some other things do this, but I will give. Google some credit here. This is in the better late than never category. It looks pretty neat. I love the idea that I will be able to, you know, I have lots of friends that have iPhones, lots of family that has iPhones. Doing messaging, you basically have to use Skype or something and it doesn't work as well as FaceTime does if we're being honest. But this is a going to be, this looks like a very seamless app and a great way of doing it. It can hand off from Wi-Fi to cell signal. Everything looked really seamless. They kept talking about the one-to-one -one interface, how fast it was, even if your bandwidth is relatively mediocre. And this looks great. The only thing I would say here is, again, I don't know why they're not baking this into Hangouts. I just don't understand. You have Hangouts. You invest a ton of money. You already have video chat features in Hangouts. Integrate this in. Call it a new feature. Do whatever you will. It seems kind of weird they're doing it as a standalone app, although FaceTime is a standalone app. But this has a lot of utility for me. I see a lot of good possibilities here. And just the fact that it's gonna make it so easy to do this between now an iOS product and an Android product, 
justifies his existence right off the bat. I dig it. I think uh, I think this is definitely a real winner here. I know that Hangouts video messaging has been uh, a real janky at best and a pain in the butt at worst type of process. And again, much like uh, anything else that we've already talked about, it does seem a little bit odd that Google has released as its own standalone app when it could have been baked into Hangouts. Heck, bake it into Messenger if you want, for all I care. But it doesn't seem to need to exist on its own, but the fact that it does will make it uh, maybe a little bit more attractive for iOS folks who wouldn't have access to Hangouts otherwise. Uh, anything cross-platform is great. Um, some of the other highlights you've already touched on, um, you know, switching seamlessly between cellular and Wi-Fi connections is great. Adjusting uh, in real time to adjust quality on the fly when bandwidth increases or decreases is a great feature. What we want from Google is things that, um, to coin a phrase, just work. And having said that, I think that Duo might be one of those things that, that right now doesn't seem like uh, a giant home run, but I could see how this could really be something that that is a, a big calling card for Google going forward. Again, with Android being the single largest platform on the planet, um, there are a lot of folks that will be able to get access to this and and really move it forward. Um, hopefully, as a, a strong FaceTime competitor, uh, and maybe even give Google um, you know a leg up, and and maybe eventually we'll bring in something that will hopefully lead them down a path five or six years now to a unified messaging system but uh, I like it I like it a lot as a matter of fact yeah it's the messaging situation is such a mess that it's just an annoying that they didn't address it Allo in of itself is an offensive but duo is more of a this is something you can do on Android but to me this is a way that you can do it easily and in a unified app across platforms so they took something that I could already kind of do and they made it easy and cross-platform to me, that's what it should be. That's the, that's what their messaging should be. So, this is cool. It's a feature that I wasn't like yearning for. I can use Skype, but this looks seamless, easier to use, and is just something that I'm glad they finally did. In a, they did in a way that is to me smart, compact, easy to use. Great. It probably should have been done sooner. I'll take it though. It looks polished. It has some of the Google Assistant and and other Allo features baked into it. Great. Inoffensive. It does something well. It'll make it easier for me to talk to my iOS family. Great. Well, I'm, I'm calling it a win. So moving right on, we segue into the Android N section of the keynote, which is kind of funny. Like the Android N stuff, it used to be the major OS changes were kind of the main meat of the, of the conference, if you will, of the keynote. And this year, the Android N stuff was in the middle. And um, Android's so mature from iteration to iteration of the OS. There's just not a ton going on now that's exciting. So Android N, I look at it, you have stuff like the multi-window, I think is the main feature to me that stands out. This has been on Samsung phones now going back to, I think my Note 2 or 3, so we're talking like three, four years now at this point. It's great to see them finally bake it into Android. I think for tablets, hopefully it really improves somewhat the tablet situation because the Android tablet situation is awful. Being able to split screen and do multiple things, though, maybe that'll start boosting some of the productivity apps and make Android tablets more useful. Other than that, though, and, and as far as the actual features, 
I don't see a ton going on. It's fine. They, they moved it out of alpha. There's a beta that they basically said it's something you can run on your phone now. They're allowing users to help name it. They have this website set up where you can suggest names. And it took all of my maturity which I barely have any to not suggest Nutsack <laughs> um, and have it be Google Nutsack, but... Uh, I'm not going to tell you that that is exactly what I was just thinking. It, it right just, this it, very it's, it, the jokes really write themselves there. It, that's the, the first thing that I wanted to do. Android M looks great. The days of clamoring for new releases of Android because it really moves it forward and adds all these features is over as far as I'm concerned. When people still freak out and they go, oh, Samsung and HTCs of the worlds or whomever are taking too long to update... I got the Marshmallow update on my Note 5, and the user experience, by and large, has changed very, very little from what it was on Lollipop. It's great on Marshmallow. I don't have any knocks against it, but man, it is minor iterative stuff, and I feel the same way about N. There's nothing knocking my socks off here. It's a fine update. They're adding some stuff in. What say you? Uh, after reading some of the initial launch features, I can tell you right now that for sure my wife is definitely not going to want to take the Android N update because the piece that I'm reading about the uh, app switcher being automatically managed by Android and will determine uh, when an app is no longer needed and kill it from the app switcher is going to crush my wife because she's one of these people that when you tap the recents button, you get like 799 different cards of different uh, websites and different apps and all kinds of crap that she still has open. It's amazing that she has any RAM at all, to be honest with you. So this is gonna this is gonna be a deal breaker for her when she comes to me and says, "How come I can't find that Pinterest page anymore? Why did Android kill it? What's going on?" Uh, for people like me who actually enjoy using tech to its fullest potential, um, it's gonna be great. Uh, I agree that a lot of this is inter- iterative. Um, uh, Lollipop and, and Marshmallow are both very, very fluid. They're both um, taking full advantage of material design. The uh, biggest things for me, I think, um, although the split screen and picture-in-picture will be pretty cool, um, just things like being able to download and install system updates automatically, that's really cool. And that's something that I think that a lot of people have been clamoring for. If you're a Nexus phone owner, this isn't a huge deal. But if you're with a carrier branded product, this is kind of a huge deal. I'm sure that most of the carriers will still find a way to block it, but at least at this point, Google is doing their best to try and make sure that people are getting security updates, people are getting Uh, Patches. People are getting the updates from Google as close to a release date as possible. Uh, Opening up the Vulkan APIs are hopefully going to get a little bit more fluidity, a little bit more of that uh, final finished product feeling with N. Uh, And the fact that, you know, maybe allegedly uh, the users group may get a chance to throw their suggestions for what N should be in the ring is kind of a cool thing. Um, but from a from a system wide standpoint, this isn't a uh, you know this isn't the Froyo update which is going to fix everything in Eclair and and make your phone run twenty times better than it did before. This is really uh, the spit and polish of Android at this point, which is a good thing for everybody, I think. You know what could have made it a home run? A unified messaging app. Can All you right. tell we're harping on that? A I'm gonna bit? I'm gonna turn my rage face off here. This is the same thing Apple's going through. These are mature OSs. No one's showing us anything really amazing and new. Dear God, though, if they release, what are we, an O next year, and it doesn't have the messaging app situation resolved, 
I'm going to write a strongly worded letter to Google, which they won't give a rat's ass about. But Do you hear that, Hiroshi Lockheimer? Do you hear that? We're coming for you. You better be shaking in your boots. But it's just so... Uh, I just look at it and I go, ends fine. I'm just, I, I can't let the messaging thing go. It, it ruined my whole day. Um, moving on, we're going to, they, they touched on VR. The rumors beforehand were that Google was going to launch its own, like a mid-level VR headset. So not the HTC V Vive, I don't know how you pronounce it, nor the uh, Oculus Rift style, but something pared down from that, more mid-level and it, but it was going to have its own CPU and GPU and kind of be this pared-down thing. That did not end up being the case. They did show kind of a reference headset design, if you will. They did come out with a controller, which it's basically two but very simple, two buttons and a, like a touchpad. Uh, to me, it looks very Apple or Nintendo Wii-esque. It's this white thing. And the VR thing, full disclosure, I haven't tried it. The Oculus Rift setup and the HTC setup, if you really want to go for it, they cost a lot. You need a pretty powerful PC and some other things to run with it. It's just one of those things where I'm not sure what I think of it. I haven't tried it enough to know if this is something I really care about yet. It looks like there's a lot of applications down the line, maybe. If anything, this probably really starts the arm race for 4K screens in mobile, which for years we've been saying, oh, you don't need a 4K screen. You'd have to be an inch away from the screen for you to be able to notice the resolution difference. Well, with these VR goggles that effectively zoom in on pieces of the screen, that's exactly what you're doing. So this probably is where we start seeing that segment of the market pick up again, where resolution will become a selling point. The way Google's doing it's kind of strange, as always. They're certifying certain phones if they meet certain criteria as being compatible with this, basically, with this daydream system that they have going on. And they, they'll certify them as daydream ready. It, it looks interesting. I don't have a lot to say about it. I, I, I'm just not sure there's going to be a day where I'm going to strap my phone into goggles and have this like VR experience that blows my mind. People that do serious gaming are going to be still buying very expensive graphic cards and PCs and setting up systems, like, probably with the Oculus Rift. I think that's probably the one that went out on the PC. And I see them continuing down that. So are casuals going to strap on these goggles and get this controller and try things? I, I don't know. I just can't decide who the market's for. I, I'm not sure what... I don't know. I, it's weird. I'm usually like the guy who's like, oh, new technology. I love new technology. I want to try that. It looks amazing. I've heard some of the VR stuff's really cool, but for me, it's not something I'm clamoring to try. Those high-end systems cost a fortune, and I'm just not sure what we're going to be getting out of this kind of smartphone VR experience. It seems like it seems like there's an awful lot of compromises to me. And I, uh, you know, exploring whether or not virtual reality is anything more than a fad, I guess, depends on your point of view and who you talk to. Uh, I like the fact that Google is entering the space. Uh, I actually think it's kind of neat that they rebranded the Daydream feature, which for the longest time has just been basically a, a screensaver for your phone with uh, whatever options you choose from the Daydream set. So it can rotate through your pictures and things of that nature. But it would it's, it's interesting that it would be the way that Google would decide to drive their branding forward with it. The idea of it, and like you say, you know, I don't know if we're going to, be in a matrix style world where we're also plugged in all the time to our virtual reality that we don't even know what's real anymore. But, uh, I've used a little bit of it, the, um, Samsung gear VR, um, with a friend's galaxy S seven. 
And it was neat. Uh, I think it's still really a niche product, a novelty product. And it, I think, again, this is really mostly a, a beta-style thing because Google still has yet to produce the reference VR. Um, the fact that they're trying to maybe unify something across all platforms, across all Android devices, making sure that they're certified as daydream-ready is an interesting concept, but probably nothing more than proof of concept at this point. Yeah, I mean, obviously my 27-pound guard dog that's barking at anything that moves does not approve. Now, in all seriousness, I don't quite understand it, but I haven't tried it, so I'm not going to say it's something I don't care about. I I probably would give it a try if someone put one in front of me. It's not something I'm currently going out of my way to try, though. I think my phone, I think the Note 5 is going to be certified as one of the VR ones. I think it checks all the boxes, especially since Samsung already has their Gear VR headset. We'll see. Maybe I'm, we're going to laugh, watch it. In a few years, we'll be doing a podcast and we're going, hey, you remember when we said it was a fad when this is like the big, huge next thing in life is VR? And we'll laugh at how foolish we were. But right now, at this specific moment in time, I just kind of look at that and go, yeah, it's it's there. That's that's a thing. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, it's daydream. It's here and it's probably not going to do anything for a little while. All right. So, Android Wear 2.0. Android Wear is the greatest joy of my life. And I say that uh, only mostly in jest. Uh, as a Moto 360 uh, owner, an original Moto 360 owner, uh, I've seen some of the good with Android Wear, um, which is most recent patches. I've seen some of the bad of Android Wear, which was basically everything from its initial launch forward. And um, it, it is incredibly useful to me in certain circumstances. It is more than just a watch. Uh, I use voice commands with it every day. And the fact that there are some changes coming to Android Wear um, really kind of excite me. What um, What's the rundown on that, Sean? So some of the features are neat. They added in keyboard support. You can swipe and do stuff. Again, I don't know how much you're going to be swiping on your phone. It seems like voice commands is the way to go for that small of an interface, but it's nice to have. It has a phoneless option, which will be nice, so you have some functionality even when it's just kind of a standalone. Um, it makes web pages easier to navigate. There's more usable interfaces, etc., etc. This is one of those things where I'm waiting for the perfect Android Wear device to buy. When I first saw pictures of the original Moto 360 back in the day, I was like, I must have that. Then they delayed releasing it for six months, and I saw the flat tire and went, I no longer want to have that. And I know this is a point of contention. All the Moto 360 users think I'm nuts. The flat tire drives my OCD absolutely bonkers. I can't handle it. I think it looks like garbage. I can't believe they kept it for the second generation. I looked at the Huawei watch, super expensive, uh, and my nitpicky low-resolution pentile screen that bothers me. And then we have some of the other options. I looked at the Samsung Gear S, but it doesn't run Android Wear. So ultimately, it's like one of those things where I keep saying, oh, I'm going to buy one. I want that. And I have it. I'm still waiting for the product that kind of jumps me in. I like what they're doing with it. Wearables are still that weird thing of like, I'm not sure where what's going to happen with wearables. I think they're really neat. I would buy a $200 watch at this point if it was the right one. Once you start getting into the $300 range, my interest goes down a little bit because it doesn't have that much utility for me. There's lots of things that it can do. There's nothing that makes me have to have it. I would like to have one. This is a nice step forward. It does some cool stuff. I think wearables may end up being fairly ubiquitous eventually just because they'll be inexpensive. But I don't know. You have one and you love it. I do, and I'll be honest, um, when I originally laid hand on the Moto 360, I was 
uh, it was kind of a birthday present to me from me, and um, I kind of justified the purchase to my wife by saying, it's going to have a bazillion different awesome things that it can do. And she said, okay, fine. And then in my head, I said to myself, I hope it can do a bazillion things. And the more that I used it, the more that I found I want to use it. Um, voice commands uh, are actually pretty good. Uh, subsequent releases after the initial launch of Android Wear have made it even more functional. It's got some really good natural language processing. I use it all the time to reply to text messages when I'm in my car because I don't want to be typing uh, on a keyboard and, and cause some kind of crazy accident. Um, you can see who's calling you, decide to answer or end the call right from your wrist. So it does have a lot of functionality. And the fact that Android Wear is going to a place where even with your phone powered off or left behind somewhere else, as long as you're connected via cellular or Wi-Fi, that you can actually still use it. That's kind of one of my biggest beefs right now is it would be nice if for the exercise wearable space, you could just slap on your 360 if you've got a water-resistant band, go for a jog, come back and not really have to worry about, oh shoot, I just lost all of my tracking data because I didn't take my phone with me. Um, the fact that Google is still um, a very large player in the wearable space is encouraging to me. I really thought this would be kind of one of those things, uh, much like we've already harped on Google about, where they would launch it and say, it's great, it's going to be the future. And then because nothing happens for a year, they decide that, uh, yeah, we're kind of outro on this. Um, so to and hear the announcement that 2.0 is going to be coming out and it's going to bring some really cool changes um, puts this as probably one of the, the more important highlights on my list. If you're not into wearables, if you're not a, a, you know, a Samsung watch or a Motorola watch or a Huawei watch owner, this probably doesn't mean anything to you. Um, but for those of us that are and that believe that wearables have a future beyond just a niche product, this is really good news. I'm not against it in any way. I I'm hoping one of the OEMs builds my perfect watch. I like circle watch faces, but no flat tire. Thank you. Once that happens, I'll probably grab it. We'll see if the next Moto 360 hits the spot. As far as wearables go, I like all of the circle Android watches better basically than the Apple Watch. I think the Apple Watch is one of the more mediocre designs that I've seen from a major OEM in a while. I don't like the square look or whatever you want to call it. So I'm excited that they're adding features. I'm hoping that someone builds a watch that I want. I'll buy one at that point. I'm excited to have one. It does some cool stuff. I watch you do some stuff, and it definitely has some utility. Beyond that, though, it's, again, it, I'm more interested in this than I am in VR, but I'd rather have a new phone every year than I would a watch. I think most people me. probably would, and I think Flat Tire is actually a really great name for a beer, yeah, so they've God. got that going for it. They must re If they don't remove that in the next generation, I swear. Again, another strongly worded letter. Um, moving on, probably the last main thing in the keynote was the Android Instant Apps, which essentially, if you get information sent to you or you're looking at something that can open on an Android app or is meant to open on an Android app, it effectively downloads the pieces of that app that are necessary to display that information to you, is my understanding, more or less. And it's kind of a neat feature. I could see, there's been instances where I clicked on things like, I don't have Instagram uh, or Facebook because for a litany of reasons, but I don't have them. And occasionally I'll come across like an Instagram link in a news article and you click on it, it's kind of inconvenient, it loads kind of janky in a browser, it doesn't look good. So if it could load that in a nice, Androidized version of Instagram without me having to actually download the app or do anything. That's kind of a neat feature. It's nice that they added it. Again, we're not talking a game changer for me. In the land of really fast LTE signals, I can download apps very, very quickly. 
but I guess it's nice that I don't have to. It, this, this takes the work out for me, and if it's something I don't have, it'll make it easier for me to interact with that content, and I don't see how that's a bad thing. In a world where we do have uh, a way to receive almost instantaneous gratification, I think this is kind of a neat thing. Um, I don't know where the technology is going to go from here, but having a kind of like try before you buy kind of feel about it. Um, and I think you use the perfect example. There are folks maybe who are not Instagram users, maybe not Facebook users, um, and having the ability to see links that are shared or at least review content that's shared in an app that they don't have uh, will give them an understanding of whether or not, hey, maybe this is something I do want to get myself involved in. And then they can go through the trouble of downloading the actual app, creating a login and using it. Um, and, and being able to see certain things without actually having to download and install the app is a, is a great idea in concept. Uh, the example I think that was shared that I saw that was used earlier was something like BuzzFeed. So if you're not really into RSS readers, um, but you wanted to read a particular story that was shared via URL shortener on Twitter or something like that, you could actually read the content and then go back about your business without actually having to install an app. Um, most power users, such as I would consider Sean P. and myself, um, usually tend to acquire phones that either have expandable storage or have enough internal storage where downloading and installing hundreds and hundreds of apps really isn't going to be a problem. Um, but for the vast majority of the world, that may be a concern. Internal storage may be an issue. So being able to, to access content without actually having to install an app is kind of a neat idea. Um, again, I think this is more of like a, a real proof of concept kind of thing, but the concept is really cool, even if not incredibly useful for a lot of people right now. This falls to me into the category of, yeah, fine, great. It's a neat feature. I wasn't clamoring for it. It wasn't something I would have even considered to ask for, to be quite honest, but it's certainly inoffensive. It doesn't seem to have a whole lot of downside. It's kind of the same thing as Duo. It's like, great, nice, interesting feature. And that kind of takes us to the end of the, of the conference. So when you look at the totality of everything that was announced today and you're kind of looking over it, and in a lot of ways, Google I.O., and especially the keynote, is like the Google nerd holiday if you're an Android enthusiast in a lot of ways. Probably like Nexus announcement or release day may be the, the true Christmas, so to speak, of Android, but this is certainly way up there. And every year there's a bunch of crazy rumors and the lead up there's tons of articles and leaks about what's coming out so at the end of the day looking it all over reviewed everything learned what we've learned so far about what was announced what do you think are you impressed are you disappointed or kind of somewhere in between uh at the risk of sounding uh, a little bit crazy and to uh coin a phrase from dave chappelle i give this keynote two thumbs down <laughs> Uh, no. Um, I think on a scale from 1 to 10, you've got yourself a, a solid 5. Uh, some of the things are really interesting, uh, if not available or useful right away. Uh, some of the things are kind of meh. Uh, the top highlights for me, obviously, would be pretty much anything having to do with Android. So Android N is up there. I like more polish. I like more usefulness and more utility. Part of the reason that I'm an Android enthusiast to begin with is the fact that it's open source and because of the flexibility of the OS for lots of phones. Uh, Android Wear 2.0 is pretty much high up there on my list. Um, anything that has to do with making wearables better, I'm 100% in favor of. And then probably a tie for third place would be to me uh, Google Assistant and Google Home. I see those as really 
um, kind of the next evolution of where Google wants to go. This is kind of getting in on the ground floor and its evolution of search as an initial product is, is really moving Google as a as a company into uh, a space where they're they're trying to position themselves to be the future of the smart home, and I think that's kind of the general direction that we're heading, even if it's not this product that eventually ends up getting us there. All right, so for me, I'm giving the keynote a C minus. I'm not going with your numeric scale. I'll boo you later. So leading up to these announcements, you always hear all kind of rumors. You see the things that there was all kinds of rumors, like they were going to announce a new Nexus 7P tablet, maybe Huawei made. Maybe they might announce the phones, which I, I never thought that was going to happen, so I'm not disappointed by that. My main disappointment is this. If you said, what are the things that you want to see Google do, first on the list would have been a unified messaging app, and they whiffed on that. Not just a little bit. In a way, actually showing Allo is worse than if they had showed nothing at all to me, because Allo, while fine, shows that they don't really get it, and they're still missing a huge key piece that should be a slam dunk. So that's that's a big deal to me. I think the other thing, you know, elephant in the room is the tablet situation is a complete catastrophe on Android. And nothing they really showed has any is pushing to fix that in any way. If they announce a new tablet, maybe some specific Android N features geared towards tablets, multi-window will help. But essentially that's been left untouched. It's still the mess that it is today. And again, when you're only doing an I update every year. That means we're effectively waiting till the next I.O. for them to maybe do something about it. So from that standpoint, it's a disappointment. And then just looking at what they announced, there's just nothing here. I wish they would show something where I go, wow, that's really something that I hadn't even thought of. It's amazing. And that's probably asking too much at this point. We're in too mature of a market. But even looking at the things they did announce, there's just a whole lot of Google Assistant. It's... Uh, it expands to something we already have. Google Home, well, it could have Promise, but again, it's basically the Amazon Echo, the Google Eyes. Allo, with Duo, inoffensive and fine. Android N features, great. VR, okay, glad it's there. Android Wear 2.0 is a thing. The Instant Apps thing. There's just, there's nothing here that I go, wow, I'm really excited about this. All of these things are like, they range from inoffensive to a missed opportunity for me. So it's it's a little bit disappointing. And we'll see what happens at the end of the year. I still... They're going to release two Nexus phones. I still think they probably will release another Nexus 7 tablet. I'm less sure of that than I am of the two Nexus phones. But I feel like they will, and I think that's long overdue. But uh, I would like to see Google... Really, to me, it's the unified messaging and the tablet situation that are the two biggest messes in Android land. And we've got a couple years now where that's just, nothing's changed. It's been exactly the same mess that it's been for years, and it's really disappointing to me that continues to happen. Google's too big of a company, too resource-rich, and too smart to let that continue to be that way. It's kind of embarrassing. They're still a great company. I love Google. I think Android is still, I don't think, it is my OS of choice by far, but... I wish that they would fill in those last remaining holes. Those things to me would be much more interesting than anything they showed today. And I guess maybe in some ways this is kind of um, our beef with Apple. Um, you know, we expect so much because of all the announcements that have taken place, because of all the advancements that have taken place, that we're really looking at something that will, will kind of blow us away. 
Uh, and when we don't get that, anything less than that um, dazzling show of light uh, is seen kind of as a, a meh at best and a downright disappointment at worst. Uh, I, I think, again, there's a lot of this kind of has to do with what you've already touched on, which is uh, Google as a company is mature, and they're looking at ways at fine-tuning their products, uh, with the exception of the uh, already frequently maligned lack of a unified messaging platform. Um, it does seem almost ridiculous that uh, uh, a company is employing as many smart people as Google does, that somebody hasn't figured out a way to make this work. But barring that, um, there are some things that are interesting. There are some things that are probably going to take a much larger role in their space in the future than they do today. Heck, none of these things are even available today. So um, really, for me, the only real failure is Allo uh, from that perspective. Uh, Duo is, is interesting, and once we get a chance to lay our hands on it and use it, I think that'll give us some, some really good ideas as to how great a product it is. Assistant is an evolution. Home is, uh, we don't even know what home is yet. Um, and Android N, much like some of the other releases that have come lately, is more about finding uh, ways to make existing great things even that much a little bit better and not really revolutionizing anything at all. Yeah, before we sign off, I don't want to angle our, excuse me, anger our Google overlords. Android's a great platform. They're doing some great stuff. There's just some obvious areas of weakness that seem to be recurring that I wish they would address. We haven't even touched really on Nest, which basically, as far as I can tell, Nest has no press conference at all this year. I think they have like a, t a booth, like literally, and that's it. I think that's been a real wasted opportunity for Google. But overall, Android's a great platform. There's still a lot to like. It's improving every year, maybe slowing down a little bit. I wish they would touch, fix some of the things that we've touched on over and over here. But um, overall... It's fine. We'll see what happens. Maybe the Nexus releases here will really blow our minds and we'll be sitting here doing an apology podcast. But for the time being, today was fine. I didn't see anything amazing. Um, and that's kind of it. So as always, to those of you that have listened the entire way through, thank you very much. Um, and I think we're going to be doing, I don't know what we're going to do next. We're talking about doing a buyer's guide, some other things. So we're, we're going to have another one in the next couple of weeks, but, uh, there's lots of good things on the horizon. Uh, there'll definitely be a discussion around the buyer's guide. We'll dive probably into uh, a little bit more in depth, the, uh, black hole of despair that is the Android tablet space and perhaps what some of the OEMs can do to make it better. And, uh, and then anything else that, uh, that happens to come our way as we move into the summertime, um, we've got a lot of of uh, uh, open area because this is kind of the lull between the carrier announcements. So uh, between the early launches this year and the later launches that are coming up, we'll have definitely some good discussion topics. But if there's anything that you as the listeners would like to hear discussed or any suggestions or comments you have for us, you can always hit us up at silicontheory at gmail.com. Follow us at uh, silicontheory at Twitter and on Instagram. And... Um, Barring anything else, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys in the next one. Thanks, guys. Have a good night.